Welcome to the Women's Wellness Psychiatry Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Anna Glazer, MD, a reproductive and integrative psychiatrist here to help you make sense of the complex world of women's mental health. If your goal is to improve your emotional well-being, find fulfillment, and feel like your best self, you're in the right place. All right. Well, let's get started. Today, we're going to talk about, give you just some more information about the Virtual Accelerated Treatment Program. This is a general informational session. And what we're going to do is actually first do a brief kind of review of perinatal and postpartum mode and anxiety conditions and the current available treatment options. And then we're going to dive into this particular program, the Virtual Accelerated Treatment Program, how it differs from some of the current available programming and treatment out there and definitely leave some time open for questions. So depression is a really common condition, perinatal depression, postpartum depression, and baby blues. I do get a lot of questions about how do you tell those different things apart. And what I often say is these are very common conditions. Part of the reason that that's the case is that there is this overlap between the reproductive years and the onset of mental health conditions for many women. We also add to that the stress of pregnancy as a trigger for underlying biological vulnerabilities, a lot of hormonal changes and fluctuations in estrogen, progesterone, and all of our various hormones in pregnancy. And on top of all of that, mixing into the soup, we have the issue of sleep disturbance. And about 80% of women in pregnancy report some form of sleep disturbance. And then, of course, that's the case postpartum as well. So we have those three different components, and that explains the reason why perinatal and postpartum mood and anxiety symptoms are as common as they are. They do differ from the baby blues. And the baby blues is something that happens to 75, even upwards 80% of women postpartum, which is in contrast to about 15 to 25% of women experiencing postpartum mood and anxiety disorders. And the baby blues is something that is really related to the precipitous hormonal drop postpartum coupled with sleep deprivation. And so you have the onset of these symptoms of tearfulness, feeling overwhelmed, irritable, really onsets within the first few days postpartum, and then tends to peak around day seven and does tend to offset and dissipate by days seven to 10. When they don't dissipate, then we sort of begin to think about, okay, are these symptoms potentially symptoms of postpartum depression or anxiety? And so one of the main symptoms that I found of postpartum depression is actually anxiety. I think this is something that a lot of women find very challenging to recognize sometimes because they sort of expect that postpartum depression means that I feel sad. But in many, many cases, it really just means I feel anxious. And then it's also coupled with changes in appetite, changes in sleep, and a lot of psychological negative thoughts like guilt, worthlessness, a lot of feeling inadequate as a mother, feeling like a failure as a mother. That's a really common kind of thought that I hear from a lot of my patients with postpartum depression. There can be a loss of pleasure and challenges and inability to bond and attach with the baby, as well as connecting and difficulty connecting with other loved ones like a partner. And in more severe cases, there could be a lot of thoughts about death and self-harm as well. Who is at risk? Certainly women with a prior history of depression. There's also a significantly increased risk in women who abruptly discontinue their medication for the purposes of pregnancy. And there's been a a number of different studies that looked at this, and the risk of a recurrent episode 
doubles, if not more than doubles, if a woman abruptly stops her medication for pregnancy. Family history, whether we're talking about a family history of perinatal postpartum depression, as well as a more general family history of mood symptoms, a poor social support system, including interpersonal violence. Pregnancy ambivalence is an interesting one, and I've definitely had a number of patients who describe this ambivalence about whether or not they want to have this pregnancy, they want to have this child, and that can increase the risk of postpartum depression. Labor and delivery complications, for example, an emergency intervention like a cesarean, and breastfeeding difficulties. And this is a big one, and it's both directions where women who have challenges with breastfeeding can definitely have negative thoughts, negative thoughts about themselves as a provider, as a nurturer, as a mother. And it goes the other way where challenges with mood impacts ability, motivation to breastfeed. So it goes in both directions. Another common condition postpartum is pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, postpartum PTSD, which I'll talk a little bit more about in the context of birth trauma, and postpartum intrusive thoughts and OCD. So these are four of the most common pregnancy anxieties. Number one, fear of childbirth, also called tocophobia. Number two, fear of having a child with a handicap or really just that there's something wrong with the baby. Number three, a common one is concern about one's changing appearance. And this can actually be a time when certain kinds of body image, eating disorder issues can be re-triggered. And number four is worry about being a good parent. Postpartum intrusive thoughts are actually quite common as well. These are images of some of the most common ones, fear of throwing the baby down the stairs, fear of the baby drowning, fear of the baby stopping breathing. All of these are common intrusive thoughts postpartum. And the issue really is when do these become more significant? Well, when they begin to interfere with the relationship with the baby or with other family members functioning, about 50 to 60% of new parents have fleeting intrusive thoughts but it's when they become sticky that it can become a problem. And then we have postpartum PTSD, which can be associated with birth trauma. There's a number of potential negative consequences of birth trauma, and there's risks and protective factors. Potential negative consequences include tocophobia, which is a fear of childbirth, and it could really impact possible future planning. I have had patients where they've had a very traumatic first delivery experience in that influences whether or not they want to continue expanding their family. It can also lead to difficulty bonding and in the relationship with both the baby as well as the potential partner and more classic PTSD symptoms. Some of the risks for postpartum PTSD and viewing one's birth as a traumatic experience, which incidentally, whether or not it's viewed as a traumatic experience, doesn't depend so much on the objective medical findings. It is a very subjective kind of experience and really often related to whether or not a woman feels out of control during the experience of the birth. And so things that increase the risk include an operative birth, negative clinician interactions, as well as a prior history of tocophobia that wasn't addressed. So what do we do? There's a number of protective factors. Having a respected birth plan could definitely help. Having continuity of care so that you're not necessarily meeting a new person every six hours, every 12 hours during the course of your delivery experience. Education, and this one's big and it helps a lot with some of the symptoms related to tocophobia, for example, is getting education and cognitive behavioral therapy and other kinds of treatment for those kinds of fears. 
having good postnatal support, and having skin-to-skin contact. So there's a lot of different treatment options for managing perinatal and postpartum mood and anxiety conditions. Pharmacotherapy, there's more and more emerging data on the reproductive safety of medications during pregnancy and postpartum. That's one of the most common reasons that women consult my clinic is to get that kind of information. Psychotherapy, both individual and group, and different types and styles of psychotherapy. There's data on mindfulness, on CBT, supportive, psychodynamic, interpersonal, somatic, and much, much more. Psychosocial, educational endeavors. And then a lot of complementary therapeutic options that have some data related to acupuncture, massage, the role of physical activity, light box therapy, and various kinds of botanicals and supplements. And so what I want to do now when we're talking about treatment options is to specifically move into the treatment option of an accelerated treatment program. That's what we're going to talk about next. And I'm going to introduce the unique features of this virtual accelerated treatment program. We'll talk about the criteria for admission to the program and highlight some of the different treatment modalities. What are the current treatment options for someone with perinatal mood and anxiety disorders who need condensed and accelerated care during this ongoing pandemic? Well, there's not a lot of options. Generally speaking, they're referred to a psychiatrist or a psychiatric nurse practitioner in the community. They might be referred to an individual outpatient therapist in the community or some support groups. That's sort of what the current availability is. These services are often actually not obtained because women need to do a lot of work to be able to access those services. They often need to figure out childcare for getting out of the house. They need to figure out time off of work and to travel to an in-person care at various locations and with, with different providers. There can be interruptions in pumping and feeding schedules, and there can be separation from the baby and other children. Those are all obstacles to being able to access those services. The virtual accelerated treatment program for PMADS is different because in addition to offering PMADS-specific care, it is in this virtual format that keeps the mom at home and keeps her able to continue to have mother and baby interactions while allowing this structured time for treatment. It can be very much a less expensive treatment alternative compared to residential care, and it provides social support for women with similar issues. So that's the difference between this program versus other general outpatient intensive treatment programs is very similar issues. All of the women are pregnant or postpartum with mood and anxiety conditions. It's condensed, structured, and has an accelerated frequency of sessions rather than one weekly psychotherapy appointment over the course of many, many months or a psychiatry appointment once a month for many months. You're condensing it all into a four-week period. We also have a coordinated multidisciplinary team approach that communicates on a weekly basis. And because it is virtual, that decreases that additional risk of exposure to COVID or other illnesses while pregnant or postpartum with a newborn or other children, which has definitely been a barrier. I've had a number of women who would have benefited from a higher level of care, like an intensive outpatient program, but all of the programs that were available to them were in person and the exposure to COVID and other illnesses really precluded them from participating in those programs. Plus, here you're able to immediately practice the application of the various attachment tools and the other skills that are learned in treatment. To review, this is a virtual, accelerated, structured, and condensed treatment program for women 
in their reproductive years struggling with mood and anxiety disorders. It specifically addresses the psychological needs of those in pregnancy and postpartum. It has a group format that meets individual needs as well. And the way that we're ensuring that everyone has both their individual needs met as well as having that group format is that we're actually keeping the groups very small, three to six individuals at most, in order to be able to ensure that you get the benefit of the group approach and that social support structure, as well as that individual treatment option. The program consists of psychoeducation, skills building, topic-led support, and self-care and relaxation classes. And what I'd like to do is share with Tyler a little bit more about the details of the program. The techniques that are acquired through the group therapies, we're doing a combination of cognitive behavioral therapy, some DBT, psychoeducation, skills building. We're going to do also classes on self-care, self-compassion, relaxation, mindfulness. We do include a medication evaluation and follow-up management, as well as a personalized home program after treatment. And we do also offer individual and couples treatment as well. What is the criteria for admission to the virtual ATP? Adult women of childbearing age who are pregnant or postpartum within 18 months of delivery, medically stable, and they're able to commit and participate in a structured and virtual group program. They don't need a higher level of care, so they don't have active suicidal or homicidal ideation or acute psychiatric symptoms that will cause imminent risk of harm. And they do have basically perinatal and postpartum mood and anxiety conditions that would benefit from what the program highlights. They must be a resident at this point of the state of California. So here's basically a description of the 12 different types of sessions that we have. And I'm just going to describe the psychoeducation classes, the skills building classes, each of the 12 sessions, because we're talking about four weeks, three days a week. Each of the 12 sessions has a very specific topic and focus. And so you can see here the topics include perinatal mood anxiety disorders, talking about definitions, facts. We talk about depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD, different symptoms and diagnoses. We talk about the psychophysiology of anxiety, panic. We talk about psychopharmacology, the when, why, what of medications. We talk about cognitive distortions, self-care the limbic system and the prefrontal cortex, how that relates to self-compassion. We talk about establishing, utilizing a village. We talk about role definition during the perinatal period. We talk about how do you discuss with family and friends about perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And we do a number of other types of sessions. That's the psychoeducation component. Then we have specific topic-led support groups. So these match up with the psychoeducation classes in terms of having 12 separate sessions that really correspond with the psychoeducation session. For example, you know, session five in the psychoeducation piece was on cognitive distortions and perinatal depression and anxiety. Then the topic-led support group really focuses on cognitions and thoughts. And these they're aligned every single day. There's a specific theme that runs throughout the day that helps move the individual forward through the treatment program. And then similarly, the skills building class also builds on that. Again, if we're using number five, session number five, as the example, the skill building session will focus on cognitive distortion identification and practice. There's this daily content consistency throughout the groups, and each of the four mod modalities are used daily. So there's psychoeducation, the topic-led support, the skills acquisition with worksheets, 
and some applied relaxation practice. And everything is consistent with the topic and theme. The continuity in the subject areas increases retention and the application of skills. And even within the group format, the skills can really be individualized for members with different modalities in a content-consistent manner. We're also going to be administering a few different measures to track progress. Progress is going to be tracked with a few different scales, including the back depression inventory, anxiety inventory, the Edinburgh, and we're going to be doing so assessments at various points during the program. Just to summarize, the virtual accelerated treatment program for perinatal mood and anxiety disorders really fulfills the need for specialized treatment for women with PMADS, especially during this ongoing pandemic. And the treatment is in a virtual group setting with additional option of medication management and individual sessions as well. If you have patients that you would like to refer, you're welcome to refer us through the website or to directly email. And I'm certainly happy to answer any additional questions about any of the content in this webinar, either the program or in terms of some of the content about the diagnosis and treatment of perinatal and postpartum and anxiety conditions. So let's open it up to questions. Anything that I can help answer? Question is, does the medication management include it in the group or is it a separate component? The way that a patient will flow through the program is they actually start with a 15-minute general call with me to see if they're a fit for the clinic in general. Then they'll go through a comprehensive intake appointment with one of the psychiatrists on the team. That is basically a session that will either set them on the path for the accelerated treatment program if they're a good candidate, or they could decide that, you know, maybe this isn't the right program for me and I'll just continue in regular outpatient care. So that starts the the medication management portion of it. They do get one follow-up session if medications are part of the treatment plan during that four-week session as well. And after they wish to continue, then they can switch to that individual provider that evaluated them and after the program, yeah, exactly. that can continue to be followed. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So they can continue in just routine outpatient care through as well as psychiatry. Or if they came to the virtual ATP through another clinician, then they would go back to that other clinician. I heard you say that it's three sessions per week. How long are the sessions? So they're the standard 50-minute psychotherapy hour sessions. It's three hours of sessions and then another about 15 minutes or so of a relaxation component. And we also do build in some breaks for, for pumping and for just biological breaks, whatever might, might be needed. So it ends up being about three and a half hours. Half hour commitment per session. Correct. And I'm curious what made you decide to cut it off at 18 months? What are you seeing clinically that made you decide to choose that particular Basically, we found that the vast majority of postpartum depression anxiety can be captured in that 18-month window. We had initially thought about 12, 12 months, but really wanted to make sure that we captured some of the women at the very core, recognizing their symptoms really at the tail end. And it's not so much that the symptoms onset 
you know, at 11, 12, 13 months, but really that's sort of when the symptoms get to a place where there's recognition and there's treatment seeking. And so we wanted to make sure to be able to include those women who, who maybe noticed the onset of symptoms at nine or 10 months. And then it took a, a couple of months to kind of come into care. We still want them to be able to have the opportunity to go through this program. You would recommend somebody who is still pregnant to, because postpartum is pretty clear to me, in which case you would invite people who are pregnant, like maybe in their third trimester, how that would be helpful. So similarly, actually, to the postpartum population, where if they are experiencing symptoms of perinatal depression or anxiety, they would still be good candidates for the program because of the content and the curriculum will help manage those symptoms during pregnancy as well as postpartum. And symptoms or just having anxiety about delivery, that would be a good patient population to exact for this program. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I think that's it. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for, for joining me today. I'm just going to stop here. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode. As you know, my goal is to share with you the most helpful information that moves you towards emotional well-being. If you have suggestions or questions, I'd love to hear those. And I also always appreciate a rating that will help others find this valuable content. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week. Please note that while I am a clinical doctor, this podcast is not a substitute for nor should be taken as medical advice. No specific health advice is being given on this podcast and no physician-client relationship is created by you listening to this podcast. All information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only.